You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. We've been sharing with you all morning our conversation that was coming up with Dr. Marcus Warner. He is the author of a book called A Deeper Walk that was just released by Moody Publishers. And we're really kind of answering the question here, are you longing for something more in your journey with Jesus? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to kind of understand that and take a deeper walk with Dr. Marcus right now. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Steve. Nice to be on with you and Kelly. Oh, well, it's great to hear your voice again and have you back on the program. Yeah, excited to have this conversation with you this morning, because Steve and I have been talking off and on for, I don't know, two, three years, just about the importance of discipleship, the need for more discipleship, and uh, the need to kind of take a look at restructuring the discipleship I hate to use the word programs, Marcus, but programs are pretty much what they are that we have in place right now. And I would love for you to start there. What does discipleship generally look like right now in the church? Yeah, we call I call it traditional discipleship. It usually takes uh, four core elements. Well, there's three core elements, and then there's one. Unfortunately, I call it discipleship by osmosis. You know the uh, I where. People assume that if you're in church long enough, you're getting discipled, even though there's no real agenda for making that happen. Um, but traditional discipleship looks at academics, looks at behavior, and it looks at church activity, all of which focus on the outward. And I mean, it makes me look really good on the outside, but it doesn't necessarily address the issues of the heart. And so because of that, I think right now we have a, a maturity crisis in the church, mm. where we have um, a lot of people who are kind of stuck at infant level child-level maturity, and we're, we're lacking adults and parents and elders in the church who are really capable of, of uh, you know, mentoring others and, and stepping in to help for that growth and maturity to take place. Well, it sounds like that is the core motivation for this particular work. So how do we even start on that journey to develop and cultivate that deeper walk with Christ? So um, look at this, first of all, defining the goal, and the goal is maturity. And then by maturity, when I grew up, though, I thought of maturity as like having slick back, you know, slick back hair and a thin tie and white shirt, you know, and you never smiled. You know, that was my idea of maturity. And I began to realize that actually godly Christian maturity is characterized by joy. There's joy in the presence of God. There's joy in my walk with Him. There's joy in my relationships. It's not that there's no pain, but the pain isn't what defines me. There's a joy underneath it because of my connection with God. So we have to start by defining the goal. And then the second thing is defining the model. And so what I've done in this book is, is taken the gospel and said, well, the gospel isn't just, here's your ticket into heaven. The gospel is, here is uh, the foundation on which we need to build our whole lives. And so I've identified five elements of the gospel that uh, need to be at the heart of what we're doing in discipleship in the church. So... Oh, man. I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm having a flashback, Marcus, right now of of where I used to go to church many, many, many years ago. And I remember one day in particular, um, it was a great message. Pastor gave an altar call. Many people came forward and wanted a relationship with Christ. And that's where it began. 
and that's where it ended and and there was no follow-up and i worry you know when people walk out of the church and they've received christ and we tell them you know your life is going to be different now but we, we never get around to the how is it going to be different how do we really start to and, and let's say i don't know for the, the person who's listening and maybe they have just recently accepted christ or been a christian and trying to follow christ for a year two years three years but they're looking for that deeper deeper relationship and what if there is no one to come alongside them how how can we cultivate a deeper relationship with him on our own well you know it is hard if there's if there isn't anybody to walk alongside of you this is going to be very very hard but there are some things we can do on our own there's some things that we can do by using resources like moody radio and all the uh various internet tools that are available out there. And then, but there's things where we need people. So I've laid it out this way, and that is we have to start with freedom issues. And that is what has us stuck. And uh, so we need to be diving into things that uh, like wounds from my past, lies that I believe because of those things. And I find that a lot of times my deeper walk with God starts when I start dealing with those heart level issues and inviting him into them Mm -hmm. and finding people who can help me with those. So I think part of discipleship, you know, has to involve helping people, you know, process those those deeper areas in a biblical perspective. Um, I know my own journey, a lot of the things that took me deeper was looking for answers to heart-level issues. It wasn't just the classes that I took, you know, I went to a mm-hmm. lot of seminary. But uh, it was really dealing with the heart issues that uh, ended up taking things deeper. So we start with freedom and then go to identity. Like, who am I really? What did God put me here in this world to do? Why am I I here? So getting my identity in Christ firm, then learning how to have a scriptural foundation and what it, and really then the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. I find if you're trying to do Christian life in the flesh, it's already doomed from the start. So (laughs) we need to be training people. What does it look like to live in the spirit? How does that actually work? And uh, so we have tools for that too. And, um, with every one of these, we try to give people some tools to get started, and that's that's all you can do to get started. And then uh, the uh, the fourth thing is is heart focused community. It's um, finding people who will be on this journey with you, even if they're not all in your local church. Right? Finding people who say you know they want to grow too, you want to grow. You know, finding ways to encourage one another and do this uh, together. Because if I'm with people who are happy to be with me. Um, it's like rich soil that helps makes it much easier for me to grow. So those mm-hmm. are kind of the foundational things. We call it fish, right? Because it's freedom, identity, spirit, and heart-focused community. So it spells fish, so it makes it easy to remember. Well, you know, Marcus, all of these things that you're speaking about, those wounds of the past, the lies that we believe, the understanding of who our identity is, you know, so often we look to the world for those answers of our identity, which we think solves the problems of our wounds from the past and, you know, kind of uh, validates those lies that we believe. But you speak of this one part where we then move into that spirit, right? Walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh, which talks about that bondage, right? So what are some of the things that keep our heart in bondage? What are some of those things that that keep us there? And then how do we walk out of that? Yeah, no, that's that's a $100 question, right? So the uh, Hebrews 12 one says that you know, we have a race to run, and there's, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, but a lot of us are weighed down, and uh, we are entangled. And I look at the being weighed down, what weighs us down, and I think it's issues from the past that we haven't been able to process, 
and I look at what entangles us, and that's primarily sin. It's the sin that entangles us. And so um, we talk about bondage and baggage. Bondage is related to sin that has me ensnared, so I can't live the life that I want to. So how do we get free from these things? Well, some of this includes spiritual warfare, right? And that is we have to start uh, helping people understand that it's a real battle, and there are principles behind this battle. And it starts by removing whatever is given permission to the enemy to a place in our lives. And then, uh, you know, what is it? What is the sin that we are not confessing but we are justifying that needs to be gotten rid of? Um, it's amazing how many people, just at the beginning of the discipleship journey, nobody ever walks them through repentance for the things that have, have happened in the past, or they don't get walked through forgiving people who have wronged them uh, from their past. And so we start there. It's like, let's start with repentance and forgiveness. And uh, let's understand there's a warfare element here. we got to get rid of whatever ground we've given to the enemy. And um, then the next thing is identifying what are the things that I came to believe to be true because of my wounds that need to be changed, right? I need to change the way I'm thinking about these things to be more biblical. So that's going to require some counseling generally. It's going to require some uh some outside help, but it is something we can start with because we can ask God, would you just show me, you know, are there mm-hmm. lies I'm believing that need to be replaced? So I can start where I am today just by talking to God about those things. But that's kind of a, you know, in a nutshell, you know, where do you start? How do you get out of here? And um, you deal with uh, repentance, you deal with forgiveness, and you deal with uh, lies and truth. You say in your book, uh, Marcus, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad that you brought up the spiritual warfare um, part of this. Because um, something that you said, uh, I'm looking here, um, page 86 of your book, A Deeper Walk, A Proven Path for Developing a More Vibrant Faith, is we don't get a demon every time we sin. But you say that if we don't confess our sin, we permit demons to have a place in our life. Talk a little bit more about that and, and what we're, we're risking when we're engaging in sin, whether it's rebellion, pride, or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, we all know sin has consequences, right? And the Bible says whoever sins is a slave to sin, and Jesus came to set us free from that. Mm-hmm. So we have our, our freedom that is given to us in Christ, but many of us are not walking in that freedom. And so we're like, well, why am I not walking in that freedom? It could be ignorance, but it might also be that I just don't, I'm not dealing with these things the way that I need to. If I, you know, like for example, if I, um, find myself surfing the internet and I look at something I shouldn't, I'm like, oh, I feel really guilty about it. I can confess that immediately and move on. That's one thing. If I, that's why I say it doesn't always give you a demon if you do something like that. But if you, uh, you know, you have subscribed to a site, you know you're planning to go back there again and again. You know, you're justifying it, you're hiding it, and you're not dealing with it. That's totally different, right? You are, you're not removing the sin from your life. That gives the devil a foothold, right? Mm-hmm. It's Ephesians four twenty six and 27. Don't give him a foothold. And the way that we do that in that text is we let the sun go down on our anger. In other words, we don't deal with it quickly. And then next thing you know, this is becoming an area of bondage for us in our lives. And sadly, a lot of people don't start dealing with it until it is at a point of bondage. And mm-hmm. now it's a, a much bigger battle than it would have been if things had been done quickly. Marcus, where you ultimately lead us to is our identity in Christ. Can you help expand on that, our identity in Christ, and then also touch on what you were talking about in, in the term other half of the identity? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I grew up kind of around Neil Anderson and the victory of the darkness and the, uh, 
his uh, identity in Christ statements. And so I look at every time the Bible, uh, we read in the Bible that something is true about us in Christ, we can think of that as a legal statement. It is legally true of us in the new covenant. That means if I'm standing before God in the throne room of, uh, of heaven, God looks at me and he says, it is legally true that Marcus is redeemed. It is legally true that he's forgiven, that he's been adopted, that he's a citizen of the kingdom. Right? It's legally true that he's become a saint. All of these things are, are true of us in Christ. And so that's what we mean by our identity in Christ. And so we have to make sure that that's actually the foundation for the discipling that we do with people. We want to help them understand what is it, you know, who are you? Who did God make you to be? What are the implications of this for the way that we live? You know, in fact, you can find maturity as maturity is the ability to act like myself, even when I'm enduring hardship. You know, so a lot of us can act like good Christians when there's no stress. <laughs> but when the stress gut ramps up, what happens, you know, do we act like ourselves or do we turn into somebody else? And so that's why identity is so key to this, because it's core to maturity. Now, on the idea of the other half of maturity, that I've been, you know, the new covenant is the legal part. It's what is legally true of me. The other half of identity is just my heart experience. What's going on in my heart? And uh, what is it that God put into me when he created me and made me unique that makes me uh, who I am? And one of the ways you can kind of tell who this is, honestly, is by what breaks your heart. Um, for example, if you come across a person in need, one of you might be, oh, that person, I want to hug them. Well, that means God's wired you towards mercy. Another one might be, oh, that poor person, I want to defend them, right? I want this to never happen again. Well, he's giving you a strong sense of justice, right? So you look at these things, and you're like, what is it that has been wired into my heart this way? And the other part of the other half of identity is this idea that the enemy is constantly trying to attack us at our identity level because he, he knows if he can get that he can get the foundation and undermine everything else that we're doing in life and so there is this constant battle this constant war uh to get us to take our identity by comparing ourselves with other people mm -hmm. and trying to put ourselves in the pecking order you know and we all we all do it you know it's just a temptation we got to resist though because you know you might compare yourself to another morning show and go Oh, are we bigger than them? Are we less than them? You know, I might compare myself to another author and go, why are their books selling more and mine not? Or why, you know, you know, and so what we do is we compare ourselves to other people and then we take our identity from that. And uh, uh, too many of us have been uh, taking our identity from the pecking order of life instead of from what God says is true about us and from those heart values that he's put into us that need to be uh, uh, developed. Well, and I think it's so important too, Marcus, that we have, and 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 I'm, I'm from what I'm reading in your book too. I, I see that you agree with the same thing. It's important that we have a, um, a a community around us that supports us in who we were made to be, so that we can walk this deeper walk more effectively, rather than get into the comparison game, which we know gets us nowhere. But uh, left of center, completely left of center. And so as long as we're talking about finding that sense of community, I know that, uh, and I'm looking at it through your website right now, deeperwalkinternational.org, you have journey groups. Talk a little bit about what those involve. Yeah, journey groups were created specifically for two purposes. One is to train people in skills that they often miss growing up, especially if you were in a family that uh, wasn't as fully functional as you would have liked. <laughs> a lot of times there were just skills that you've missed in life. And so uh, we, uh, this, um, these groups uh, do relational skills training. They, we practice every week on connecting with God in conversational prayer. 
and then sharing with the group kind of what's what's happening there so we get um, better at recognizing the spirit's voice we also um, check in emotionally with each other so you don't feel all alone with what you're going through um, with, they're also run by people who've had a lot of training so they are fee-based groups unlike you know a typical church group but it's not exorbitant and uh, it's uh, something most people can handle and for people who can't handle it all there's usually help but uh, that's what we did with journey groups because what we found here is that you know community is kind of like the soil in which we grow and I, i'm referring here to like jim wilder and michael hendrick's book the uh, the other half of church where they talk about you know if you the times in our lives when we when we just grow by leaps and bounds versus those times in life where we feel like we're just stagnant is often connected to whether or not we were in a joyful community at the time and as when I'm surrounded by joy people and we enjoy being together, we're looking for reasons to spend time together, and we are all on this journey of growth, uh, growth is much easier. When I feel isolated, I feel alone, I don't feel connected, it's kind of like I'm not getting the nutrients into my soil and into my soul that I mm-hmm. need. <laughs> and so it's really hard to grow. And I think even mature Christians you know, like us who've been at, been at this for decades, can look at seasons in our lives where it was just a struggle and other seasons where it just felt easy, like (laughs) this is going. And usually when you think about it, it's because um, in some of those seasons I have, uh, I've had joyful community and other seasons I have not. You know, and and that is such important concept because that goes right back to koinonia, right? That shared experience of fellowship and joint participation. That is something that we long for. You know, we're built for relationship, first with the Heavenly Father, then with others. And that is an important thing to really bolster who we are really process the life experiences that we are enduring you know here in this um in this uh, life that we we live here apart from the presence of god uh you know but i, I always go back and i look at second timothy five uh, second timothy second uh, corinthians five nine which you know paul is longing to be in the presence of the lord but he says hey but as long as i am still here my goal is to be uh, and to honor the Lord, right? We make it our aim to be pleasing to Him, and we can do that through koinonia, and that helps really protect us from the enemy. There's strength in those numbers, and we so often forget that and allow ourselves to become so isolated. Um, Dr. Warner, just one thing I want to touch on before uh, we let you go this morning. I know you have a passion for brain science and understanding how that all just kind of factors into who we are. Uh, We look at the brain and say it's kind of the final frontier of medicine because we only have just begun to scratch the surface of understanding it and um, how that how it how it functions and the roles that it plays within our brain. biology, but tell us a little bit about brain science and how that marries into the ministry and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we've learned from brain science is that the brain craves the fuel of joy, and if it's not running on the fuel of joy, it will run on the fuel of fear. And so fear will motivate us, right? We can get things done out of fear, but it also burn us out and wear us down and overwhelm us. So science has shown us that we want to live with joy, which coincides perfectly with what the Bible's saying. God, you know, Jesus said, come that your joy may be complete. Uh, Paul says to his people, I want to make your joy complete when I visit and I'm with you. And, you know, you make my joy complete. At the same time, the lack of joy can be the source of some tremendous anguish in our lives. And, 
and that, so that's part of it. The other thing that goes with this is that maturity that is measured by my ability to endure hard things and bounce back and find a place of joy. It's like if I get into big emotions and I get stuck there and I can't get back to joy, it's a sign that something I've missed in my maturity development that's going to need some uh, attention. And so what we try to do is marry this together. In fact, in one chapter, I think I called half-brain Christianity, right? It's this idea that for many of us, our discipleship has been completely left-brained. We are just getting information told, here's good information, go make better choices. Here's more information, go make better choices. And over time, the gap between what we know and how we live just gets so big that we give up. And rather than that, what we're looking at is a whole-brained approach to Christianity that says, no, there is an attachment foundation with God. There's an attachment foundation with other people that is anchored in joy, that God wants us to find joy in his presence. He wants us to have joy uh, with his people. Now, we're not always going to have joy with all of his people all the time, but there's got to be people in our lives that we're having uh, that consistent experience of joy with. And so the, the brain science, that's just obviously touching the surface, but uh, it connects perfectly with what we're doing here. And so I'm trying to marry them together and putting this book together. The Bible, what the Bible is always taught, is in perfect sync with what we're learning from the brain science um, in the modern era. So neat. So neat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we want to let you know, um, if, as you've been listening this morning, if you are interested in getting your hands on a copy of Dr. Marcus Warner's A Deeper Walk, A Proven Path for Developing a More Vibrant Faith, uh, you can go to A Deeper Walk International. Dot org. Of course, it's available at moodybooks.org, but it's also available on Amazon if you want to check it out there as well. Uh, such good stuff. Check out the website, especially at deeperwalkinternational.org. Lots of resources there to help you, whether you are simply seeking that deeper walk for yourself. Maybe you're a pastor and mm-hmm. you're uh, looking for ways to, to make some changes in your church and how you do discipleship. Go there, see what you find, and uh, be blessed. Seriously. Yeah. Hey, can I mention one thing real quick? I'm actually doing a conference with Judy Dunnigan this weekend, Friday, Saturday. It's basically whatever you can afford, you can come. It's out at the Life Point Church in Westfield. So since this is a local uh, local interview, I thought I might mention that if people are looking to learn more about this, they can come out and check out Deeper Walk in person at Life Point Church in Westfield this weekend. That's fantastic. Great to know. Where can they find that information again? Uh, at our website. So they go to deeperwalkinternational.org. Uh, one of the first things promoted on there will be this uh, this conference. And Judy just wrote the book, The Loudest Roar, right? She's a spiritual warfare uh, person. She also works for Moody. And uh, so she's flying in from Phoenix for this. So it should be a good event. Well, yeah. that'd be great. That will be outstanding. We've got our hands on that book too, Marcus. Yeah, We're we ready do. to roll. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Judy. Judy is uh, on our board. We have a so we were all part of the Deeper Walk family. So, uh, good good opportunity. Well, we appreciate you taking the time this morning to share with us about a deeper walk and how we can cultivate that in our life. I want to encourage everybody to go to moodybooks.org or Amazon or wherever you find your books and pick up a copy for yourself. Also. Check things out. You can go head over to deeperwalkinternational.org and find the information about those journey groups as well as about that upcoming uh, weekend conference that Dr. Warner just shared with you alongside Judy Dunnigan. So thank you very, very much, Dr. Warner, for your time this morning. Just a blessing to have you on, and I'm sure it was a blessing to those who were listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a pleasure, Steve and Kelly. Well, uh, hopefully we can do this again. 
You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the word to life.